Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. And what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 125th, that's right, 125th episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Emhauser, uh, at Hawk Vlogger on Twitter, and uh, looking forward, I can't almost believe, we feel like we've been talking to you guys regularly because there's been so much Seahawks play um, this week already, and uh, we're back at it. We've got a game coming up this weekend against the Giants, we've got plenty to catch up on. And uh, we've got the OG crew here, um, not the true OG crew, which was just Jeff and I, but but the the OG Real Hawk Talk crew is to, to for most of you folks. Um, let's bring them in without hesitation. Uh, I'm going to start this week with uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Nathan, last time we saw you, you were in hysterics about me hitting my microphone into my face. Have you have you recovered from that, or or how's that going? No, I'm still laughing about it. I, I replay it every day and watch it and, and laugh. It was really great. I, you know, it was, I just feel like I need to figure out more physical comedy for you because seeing you crack up was like the highlight of that podcast for me. I've never seen you laugh that much. Uh, it was just so unexpected. I think that's really the the thing about it more than anything. But uh, yeah, give it a shot. You know, maybe, um, yeah, I don't know, like some Wiley, Wiley E. Coyote stuff maybe. Yeah, yeah I know. Going. I, I, I'm gonna have to think about that. But um, uh, you weren't alone in enjoying that uh, that moment. Uh, Jeff Simmons. Uh, it was it was an international incident at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Uh, how are you doing, dude? <laughs> I'm all right, man. I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be back. Good, good. And 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 last but not least, uh, the man, the myth, Evan Hill. At Evan and SEA on Twitter. How are you? 
I'm doing well. I, I just want to start out with a proclamation. Uh-huh. It is absolutely stupid how wildly what's the right word? Untolerable I am to alcohol. A single sip, like a single drop of alcohol touches my tongue and all of a sudden I'm like ready to go. So I'm ready for tonight. You're, I, have, I have some thoughts. Your relationship with the English language is is tenuous. It, it, Tell me more. You said you have an intolerable. Yeah, what's the right word? Intolerance. Intolerance. Yeah. Intolerance. Yeah. yeah. See, alcohol is low already. tolerance for alcohol. Low tolerance. Yeah, that's the right. That's word. what you're looking for. But I do enjoy it because it's almost it's like it's like a winding path. I never know exactly where you're going to grammatically or phonetically going to go uh, with a name, with a word like it's I enjoy it because you're a super smart guy and, and you always end up coming up with something that I would have never thought of. So I appreciate it. Um, guys, Seahawks are eight and three. They're eight and three. First place in NFC West, exactly where we want them to be uh, from a divisional standpoint. Um, just beat an Eagles team that is not very good, but they did it with defense. <laughs> they did it with defense and DK. Uh, and now they go into the second part of the slate. Um, this four game slate where they're playing some of the, the weaker teams in the NFL and almost, you know, we talked about Evan asked the question weeks ago when they were going into that five game kind of gauntlet, what would success look like? I think we're in a different kind of uh, situation now. We all think success is winning every game. So that's not the question. I, I think that I'd ask you a little bit differently, like assuming that they have to win each game, what do they need to do for you to consider these games successful? And let's start about start with this Giants game. Like they're probably going to be missing their starting quarterback. They are a under 500 team that has flaws what what does success look like besides getting a win against the giants this weekend and and uh jeff maybe maybe if you wouldn't mind starting us off there okay there's a couple areas i don't want to steal everyone's answers but there's one thing that i would like to see personally return and it's the play of the offensive line and the giants are quietly have been a solid team like they've won three games in a row and really, they could have won six in a row. Like, they lost by one point to Philly, I believe, in like two to Tampa in a game they easily should have won. So, in the last couple of games, as the offense has kind of gone down and lost the productivity we saw in the first five games, the offensive line has started to show some cracks. They had a lot of trouble with the blitzes in the Rams game, in the Bills game. And last week, they had a new right tackle, and things have. <laughs> <laughs> You bastard. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry, I didn't mean to distract you there. Go ahead. No, that's – oh, God. So that is funny. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. We that is – okay, that is – all new – I shouldn't okay. have told you about the video. <laughs> Nathan, okay, that, that is funny. Okay. <laughs> I wish I had seen that live more clearly. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I even have my real Hawk Talk background with this too. This works oh, out. I know it is it's yeah. pretty clever. Right, it is so I'll, I'll try there. to finish here. Yeah. So like one of the most positive parts of the early season that the passing rate and the offense was that the offensive line was so good as a pass protecting unit. 
And Brian, I think you tweeted out today or you sent us a stat today how those numbers have flipped. Those numbers are not nearly the same the last couple of games. I can't handle this. David, you, you changed that. I can't keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I can't pay attention to a word that, that Jeff is saying. Offensive right, okay, okay, okay. I heard something about the Seahawks. Maybe about, that yeah, being yeah, good. Offensive line the worst player on the team. All right, bitch. The Seahawks right. run the ball more. I heard that one. Running backs matter. Wait, wait, Speaking wait. Speaking of wait. Jason Myers, did you? <laughs> I was trying to get your attention. Are now. we back to normal? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys see what Pete said about Jason Myers today? Can you let can you let him finish, Evan? No one wants to hear. You mean you never give Jason Myers any credit in the first place, and now you're trying to jump on the bandwagon late. It's just not it's not appealing. Can you can you can you let Jeff finish his? his... Okay, I'll make my original point again quicker. A lot of people have focused on the passing game, the offense. My focus right now, obviously, those things matter, and someone else can take that. But I want to see the offensive line get better. They've started to fall off a bit. They have not been the group they were earlier in the year. Some of it's personnel issue. The right tackle last week was horrible. But I want to see them creating those pockets. And for the Seahawks to make the Super Bowl, I think we all believe the offense has to be the determining factor of that. And the next couple of games, some of those teams are considered weak, but Washington and the Giants, they have really good defensive lines. So I want to see the offensive line start to make a turn here in the second half of the year because that's definitely correlated with some of their dip on offense. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, Jeff. And, and I – um, I can't remember if I tweeted that out or just sent that in the group chat about um, Seahawks offensive line from a PFF grading perspective. I think that they had had grades of pass blocking over 70 and maybe four of their first five games. And they haven't had a pass blocking grade over 70 since. And their last three games, their pass blocking grade has been 55 each game. So, I mean, like it's been a precipitous drop off and it definitely hasn't been as good before I talk to the other guys about what they think success looks like against the giants. I mean, what do we, what, I mean, the offensive line has had some issues like injury issues. Ethan Posick's been out. Um, you know, uh, Mikey potty was out for a little bit. Then Jordan Simmons was hurt. Brandon shells now hurt. I mean, do we think it's, it's just injury or do we think that there's performance or other things that are contributing to it? Jeff, do you have a, a, a theory on that? Um, I'd say the number one issue is injury. I think when you have like the main five guys, it's a pretty good, pretty decent line, above average line. They can be a top 10 line. But when you start to take pieces out of there, like they had three different centers over three a three-week period. I said this earlier, the right tackle. PFF graded more like in the 30s. I thought it could have been worse. He does not look like an NFL player. The guy who played right tackle last week and – Jordan Simmons and Yapati have both been banged up. And really, other than Dwayne Brown and maybe Damian Lewis, there really hasn't been constants in the line the last couple of weeks. And you saw how important Shell was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would like to say it's injury. Problem is that, like, I feel like Dwayne Brown had some bad moments this last game. Yapati's, you know, had some bad moments. Uh, so I do have some concern. I, I think blitzing and, and some of the things that other teams have been doing has also contributed to the problem. So I'm hoping that they can right the ship, but um, uh, I, mean, I think they will. It's just, it's, it's definitely been a concern that, that that has had a trickle down effect and affected Russ um, and his confidence and comfort in the pocket. So um, Evan, 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 Evan. Besides Jason Myers, 
what is what does success look like against the Giants? What do, what do you need to see? You know, it could be offense, defense, um, special teams if you must. But but what what do you what do you, what do you think success looks like? A complete performance from this football team. We've seen stretches where this offense is absolutely on fire. We've seen off or, uh, you know, a, a recent stretch where this offense is sort of piecemealing, uh, you know, close to 30 point points on the board. They've looked out of rhythm. We've seen obviously a very long stretch, eight or nine weeks where the defense was um, one of the worst in NFL history on track to be the worst in NFL history over the past couple of weeks. We have seen improvements from them. Uh, it's, it's funny because like we were, you know, most excited about the offense entering this year. And, and after the first, you know, six weeks of this year, this offense uh, was number one in the NFL, they've dropped off a little bit. Obviously they're out of rhythm. That's well-documented. We've talked about it a lot, but the defense is surging and it would just be nice for just one game, just one game for both sides to put together a complete dominant win. And I, and I know that's a very spoiled request, but like, I believe this team is capable of it. Like they're capable of putting together a dominant win against the giants. I I don't think that's unrealistic, especially with David Jones being out. It sounds like Colt McCoy or some other practice squad guy is going to play quarterback for them. This is, uh, I would, for me, success is a, is a dominant, uh, performance by both the defense and the offense. Interesting. So, so you need to see it from both sides. Uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Nathan, I mean, we talked about this a little bit in one of the previous pods, but, um, you know, the Seahawks, I mean, just to put numbers behind it, Seahawks averaged 34.3 points per game in the first eight games of the season over their last three games, they've averaged 22. So that's a 12 point drop in, in points. It's a huge, huge drop. It's a third you know, or, or, or whatever of, of their points um, gone on defense. They had been allowing 30.3 points a game. And, and over the last three, they're allowing 20.3. And in fact, three straight games, they have set their season best for points allowed. 23, 21, and then 17. So it's interesting that, you know, after all year talking about how bad this defense is, that the the, the, the bit is flipped and, and we're talking about the offense and you know I, i'm kind of curious one do you, is that where your focus is and is, is the offense getting better or are you still like hey you want to see more from the defense i think it's about the offense at this point right i mean the defense has been playing good enough right um to win football games even even with a mediocre offense right their, their offense hasn't been great um but they they need to have a strength and they need to have a defining thing about them and i don't think the defense is going to get there and i think the offense like you were saying has was there um doesn't seem to be quite there now um but with russell and everything you can expect them to get back to that um and if they can and you know and, and the defense can hold then i think that this really looks like a legit super bowl team um the way they are right now, uh, you know, they're still they're still good. They're still winning, but they don't look dominant. They don't look like a team that's necessarily poised to make a big run. So I think the offense gets back to the shape that it was in. If the defense can maintain, you know, something close to what they've been, you're you're in really good shape. Yes. Yeah, so, so what is I mean, 
what is what is Evan said a dominant offense and defense like what is what does a good offensive performance look like against this Giants team um you know you know that they've got they've got a kick-ass defensive line they really do like especially especially on the defensive interior it's not as good as the Eagles um because the Eagles have edge and interior the the Giants defensive line it's got Leonard Williams it's got um you know, Dalvin Tomlinson, it's got, uh, who's the other guy I'm forgetting. Um, I'll think of his name really quickly here. Um, uh, Dexter Lawrence is the other guy. Hmm. Um, you know, like even, even BJ Hill is, is an okay player. Like they've on the interior, they've got a lot of pass rush and, and they're one of the best pass rushing teams in the league. So, are you looking for this team to like, are you looking for Russell? Does he have to throw five touchdowns and no interceptions? Are you looking for, you know, a certain kind of efficiency and how they move down the field? Like, how are you going to determine that it was a, a good offensive performance? I mean, I think anytime that you can score 30 points, you can be really happy about what your offense did, right? Um, they don't need to have the five touchdown rust performance like they got, you know, earlier in the year. Um, they don't need to break 40 points or anything like that. But if they can get above 30, I'll be really happy. Um, and, you know, I, I think with the the way the defense has been playing, if, if they can hold the Giants to something around 20 or maybe even a little less, and if the offense can rebound and they can score 30 or maybe a little bit more, you know, then you're talking about that kind of dominant blowout performance against a bad team that you're probably hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as I kind of broke the the game down this morning and, and tail the tape and started just pouring over some of the giants, I, I don't know the giants that well. I've watched them a couple. I watched the Tampa Bay game. I watched a couple other games. So I have some idea of them, but um, they're kind of an odd team. They've been playing pretty well lately. And at times their defense has been pretty good. And then their defense has been pretty bad. And then their offense has been pretty bad. And then their offense has been pretty good. Um, with, they've really become a pretty focused running team, you know, and Wayne Gallman, someone that they run, they run behind their offensive line is not that good. Um, you know, it's just okay. Uh, it's not great in pass protecting or in run blocking. And you come into this game with Colt McCoy, most likely. Um, I think the latest we have is that it's most likely going to be Colt McCoy, Daniel Jones, right? Is that what you're hearing, Jeff? Yeah. I, I put a wager on the Giants last game. So I watched that entire game and Cole McCoy came in. And if we thought Wentz looked bad, Cole McCoy was worse. He, he looked like he like had no clue what was going on there. That's hard to believe. He so was like be, three of 11 for 20 yards or something. So to be clear, he took uh, first team practice snaps today at quarterback. Yes. Yes. Uh, uh, Daniel Jones did not practice today. There was some question though, because um, he said he was feeling better, um, but then it became official. He didn't practice. I don't know. I I think that it's a big, it's a big difference between Daniel. Hamstring injuries. Remember with Jamal where they kept thinking he was going to come back and they kept thinking he was going to come back and then they had to wait. Yeah. It's, It's a lot like that. Well, so, I mean, the, the, the game script to me seems pretty obvious in this one, right? Like the giants are almost have to figure out how to run the ball. Like they have to, I, I, there's no way that they can depend on Colt McCoy. Um, and their, their pass protection is not good. This even before the Daniel Jones thing, this was like, I'll have to look it up uh, again, but this is like one of the worst pass blocking teams in the NFL um, in terms of sack rate given up. 
um, uh, I'll know the exact ranking in a second, but, uh, and the Seahawks are now one of the best pass rushing teams in the NFL. Like it's crazy to say that, but it's true. Um, so I'll say this, Brian, for what it's worth, pro football focus has the giants ranked as 32nd in the NFL in pass 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 blocking grade. That's not win rate, but it's grade. Yeah. They're 26th in sack rate and percentage of sacks per per drop back. So, I mean, that's bad. And the Seahawks are surging. They're literally number one in the NFL over the last like four weeks or something like that. Like, and so you have to think they're going to try to run the Seahawks run defense is one of their other strengths. If the giants can't run and they have to get into third and long and pass and get desperate, this just feels like a game where turnovers, defensive touchdowns, all those things are on the board. And if that happens and the Seahawks get out by like 10, nothing or 14, nothing, then they're going to have to pass. And it's just, I feel like this could be like, there's a lot of ways this game could spiral. And you guys, we, we talk about this every week. I'm, I'm not a guy that gets into like, oh, you know, they're going to blow them out every time. This game, it feels like there is a lot more paths to the Seahawks winning by a lot than there are to the Giants winning at all. Like, you guys in the same place with this? I mean, is it outrageous for, like, my mind has a very hard way of seeing the Giants scoring more than 13 points on Sunday. Is that insane? But like Colt McCoy is bad. Saquon is out. They have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. What's their, where are the points coming from? Cause the Seahawks, they make everything impossible. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's a valid point. That's a valid point. <laughs> if they play down to their level, it will be incredibly disappointing. But the reality is, is they do not have the offensive firepower, especially with Daniel Jones being out, to put up large numbers on this Seahawks defense, no matter how bad they are. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> sorry everybody. Uh, so I agree with you, Nate uh, or Evan. I, I don't know how Thank they're going to put up points. I don't. That's. <laughs> I guess that's my real question. Like, what is the. So, what is the script that, that leads the Giants to score a bunch of points? Is it Russell Wilson turning the ball over? Like, you know, like Giants pass rush is so good and the Seahawks can't pass block. And so there's fumbles and picks. It's Carson fumbles. It's got to be a real special teams like success day for them. Like Seattle has to probably turn over the ball at least two to three times and make several large special teams errors. Like Brian, I, I guess the question I have for you, Brian, is like, you asked this question earlier of like, what does success look like on Sunday? What does success look like for this defense specifically against uh, this giants offense on Sunday? I, I feel like 10 points is, is the number here. Like, I mean, honestly, I think that I think a shutout should be on the table for them. Like even like what this, like, I think this is a really bad offense in this state. Um, but yeah, 10 points is the number for me. And, and I think 200 yards or, or less, like, um, that's where I, that's where I'd start. 
Jeff, Jeff? You, you have different different perspective. No, no, I'm I'm not gonna say shut it. I I just can't imagine that. I've watched this team play too much this year, but yeah, 200 yards sounds reasonable. And really, there's not a lot of ways like like you said the Giants can take over. Like Evan Engram is a tight end that could give yeah a lot of trouble. He's a good player. He's just on a bad team. Uh, there's Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and. Darius Lane's actually a pretty good receiver. He's open downfield a lot. If he had better quarterbacks, I think he'd be a really good player. Yeah, they they have decent. They have some decent. But it's like they just fired their own line coach. Him and really, yeah, Joe Judge and him almost got into a fist fight. (laughs) Fired him. Uh, And Jason Garrett's their offensive coordinator. So if you want to watch a very vanilla offensive game plan at the best of times, now you're going to see one with Colt McCoy. So. Yeah, if this is a game like someone like Jamal Adams can just like dominate it. Like he played them last year and I think he stole the ball from Daniel Jones and ran for a touchdown. This is a game where you might see a game similar to last week from him. Do you think that they lined Golden Tate up as an edge rusher and blitz blitz Russell? (laughs) No one's going to take that, huh? Not taking that bait. Not taking that bait. He's kind of faded into like irrelevance. I feel I kind of feel bad for Golden. Yeah, but I'm still upset about letting him walk. So yeah, that's what I mean. I'd like, love to have him back. He keeps yeah. going on these shit teams, and he's following the money. I don't blame him. I know. I just kind of feel bad for him. Like he was on the Lions all those years, and the real story of Sunday's game, though, I feel like is DK Metcalf is going to have a big, big game, potentially okay. even a bigger game. I. I want to make a bet with you if you think that. Ooh. You, you, you can determine the, the terms of the, 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 the bet, but I think this sets up to a big Tyler Lockett game. I think Tyler Lockett's going to have more yards and more touchdowns than DK Metcalf in this game. Will you take that bet? All right, make a bet. Hell yeah, I'll take that bet. Just okay. in uh, yards and touchdowns, so it has to be both. Uh-huh. Okay, so if he gets more yards but not touchdowns, it's a it's a draw. It's a draw. Okay. Yeah. 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 What do you want to bet? Um Matador meal? Matador meal. Yeah. Matador matador nachos. Okay. That's yeah. the fir- that's one of the first things I'm gonna be doing after this pandemic ends, by the way. I was just texting yeah. Cornell about that. Matador nachos. Oh. Well, what people don't realize is that the vaccines, like the the motivation that they put in in front of the doctors working on the vaccines, is they have like matador nachos, like sitting in a in a hermetically sealed room that they can only unlock once they've they figured that vaccine out. So they told the doctor, any doctor who solved this whole vaccine crisis, you know, in in and out, in 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 and out, would come to their state. So <laughs> there was a. Uh, major incentive everybody that's why we got a vaccine so quickly actually they would actually just basically saying don't die from the pandemic die from your your diet is is what you're saying is <laughs> feed him in and out um, well, why do you think lockets do like if you just do is it just time no, or do you think there's something about this thing. no in fact that's my biggest concern is that he might be injured and, and not up to this but from a matchup perspective here's what i see James Bradbury um, is their best cover corner. I think they're going to match him up with DK. I don't think he's going to lock down DK or anything like that, but um, he's a decent player. 
they don't their other corners are shit. They're really not good. And are you talking about James Bradbury? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, what did I say? You said James Bradbury. Okay. You, I thought I heard something else. You guys were listening. I heard James Bradbury. I hundred percent was not listening. <laughs> um, but like their other cornerbacks are really not good, and neither one of them are set up to deal with a shifty player like Lockett. And so I just think. I think what's going to happen is DK just had 177 yards. He's the talk of the NFL right now. Everyone's knows what he is. I think they're going to potentially slide safety help over. I think they're going to really try to take him away. And in there, I think NFL is so simplistic. Sometimes they like, they, they, there's a recency bias. And so I think they're going to think, okay, if we take DK Metcalf away, the Seahawks, you know, they're going to struggle. And I just think Tyler Lockett's going to go off. I think I think he's going to have a an Arizona Cardinals kind of game, um, and so uh, for what it's worth, their other cornerbacks are. Uh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong side here. Uh, it's like Isaac Isaiah Yodem or something. Isaac Yodem. I don't think your logic is wrong. I just think they're going to be unsuccessful about taking DK away. Isaac Yadam and Darnay Holmes. Um, Darnay Holmes, a rookie. Yeah, they're. They're in trouble, man. They're in trouble. What happened to Logan Ryan? He's Logan Ryan's safety. safety. He's, safety. he's playing safety for him? Yeah. yeah. He's too yeah, slow. He's doing well at safety. Evan's boy. Um, what? Jabril Peppers is You good. freaked out when the Giants signed Logan Ryan, and no one could understand it. Oh, yeah. I vaguely remember that. <laughs> yeah, you were like very I think mad. your memories are off. No, Will and me have good thoughts about that all the time. I think you're wrong about that. Will, where are you right now? Come on right now. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, defense, you're saying, what, what does defense success look like? We talked about that. Um, are you guys, I mean, are you guys satisfied with the level, like, with the level of dominance against the Eagles? Like, is that good enough? Like the way Offensively look- or, or Offensively. in total? Oh. Yeah. Do you need to see more than that? I think so. I, I, I think, think you so. have to see more than from the offense. More uh, from the defense. Well. Oh, sorry, you said defensively. Yes. No, I don't think so. I think if if they can keep this team under twenty points, you know, that's a win. Um, maybe ideally they're down, you know, ten or or something like that. But um, I wouldn't. I don't know. I haven't seen enough from this defense quite yet to just suddenly be talking about shutouts. Like that's maybe I'm just a little bit behind and, and you no, know, no, you're right. but yeah, it, it seems a little, I, I think anything under 20 is, is going to be a success for this team, especially, you know, if they, if they get after the quarterback, the way they've been doing and, and just generally looking pretty good. Um, I'll be really happy with that. So then offensively, I mean, <laughs> It's rough right now, guys. I yeah. mean, I, I I think it's it's pretty rough. Um, if they if they score, so so you guys are saying thirty points. That's the bar. If they score thirty points anyway, they score thirty points. That that's good. That's reasonable. Yeah. I'm more the offense. See, yeah. Or go ahead, Jeff. I said I want. I more want to see like other players emerge. Like last week, they looked like a one man offense essentially, and. We talked about Lockett really. And if you take out, say they do take out Metcalf, other people need to emerge. Like the tight end has not been an important part of their offense all year. Disley didn't even get a target last game. I don't think 
and David Moore looked pretty banged up and pretty horrible. So a lot of us wanted third receivers in the offseason for this reason. And really that, that, that part concerns me that you need other players to step up. And that's what made them so potent earlier in the year is that Lockett and Metcalf were going. And now once you have kind of one guy, maybe that's incorporating the tight end more. Maybe that's using Freddie Swain. I don't know if someone, but they need to have some other option on the passing game. Yeah. The, for what it's worth, there's only two teams that have scored over 30 points against the giants all year. So it would be something that hasn't happened much. Um, I think it was week, week three, the 49ers scored 36 and week five, the Cowboys scored 37, but that means since then, the most points that have been scored against this team is 25. The Bucks scored 25. So um, they did lose Kyle Fackrell, um, their edge rusher, uh, which I think is more significant than people might realize. It's certainly not as big as Daniel Jones, but um, it's a, he's, he was a big part of their defense. Um, so he's out. Uh, I'm curious, uh, do we have some patron questions we want to tackle? Um, do you mind if I share this uh, Simply Seattle thing real quick first? If you have to. <laughs> no, go ahead. Absolutely. If we, if we have to support needy local Seattle families. How many the- charitable things can we do, man? Like- How many charitable things can we do? So <laughs> let, me, uh, let me share my screen here. So you guys probably have seen this on Twitter. A bunch of you guys shared it. So thank you for doing that. Simply Seattle is a... Um, a local Seattle business, Seattle run, uh, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle born. Uh, they've been in business for a long time. They are running a special on a ton of $20 hoodies that also support food lifeline, which is pretty much like a massive, uh, Seattle network of, um, of, of food drives. It's like 300 or food banks. It's like 300 around the Seattle area. So they're big fans of the show. And to be super clear, this is not a sponsorship. This is not like, we're not getting a cut of this. We're not, they're not paying us for this. Obviously we do other sponsorships with other brands, but this is, this is not that this is something completely different. So this is really us just wanting to uh, really number one, hook you up with cool Seattle Seahawks gear you know, particularly DK Metcalf gear. I've been looking for, for something like that recently. Um, Something that supports like a local Seattle business. Obviously it's been a very, very difficult year for local businesses all around the nation and really the world as, as they've struggled with the COVID-19 pandemic, something that also benefits uh, local Seattle families. So for every single sweatshirt purchase you make, they are giving 20 meals to folks in need. So that is an insane level um, sort of contribution or effect you have when you purchase gear like this. So we were able to partner with them. I'm just gonna use this one as an example. Say you want a medium, okay? You can use the code, if this loads well, HOTTALK10, as you can see it right here, it takes 10% off your entire order. So that applies to any purchase made on the site whatsoever. So it's 10% off the entire site. It expires in a couple of days. Hawk Talk 10, all caps, Hawk Talk, and then 10 gets you 10% off the entire site. Again, that was simplyseattle.com. Uh, Seattle run business. They're a great group, group of folks over there. Um, they're, they're just doing their best to 
survive as a local business in, in what is really a, a challenging time for everyone this year and and also help some help some folks in need so this to me is a win-win-win you get dope gear you help people in need you support a seattle business and you support the show because it opens up you know the real hawk talk this show for for future sort of uh, brand sponsorships like this, although we're not getting paid for something like this right now. So this is really just us wanting to partner with a local brand. So simplyseattle.com, go make a sweatshirt purchase. Uh, thank you to everyone who has done it so far. You guys sold it out earlier this evening. So I literally had to text the CEO and have him restock that sweatshirt, which he did like five minutes ago. So uh, just wanted to share that. I think it's a great opportunity. Um. Inquiring minds, though, really critical question. Do they have Youth XL? <laughs> they do not have Youth XL. Uh, I so can I share a little bit of a take? They're on to your hack, dude. Can, can, on to your hack. Can I share a little bit of a take on this? <laughs> yes. NFL jerseys are not comfortable, and wearing them is not super enjoyable. Maybe you should get one that fits you. Okay, bitch. I have a large. I have a large too. I have multiple sizes. I also second, don't enjoy wearing clothes three sizes too small for me. You, this is my take. You fell to a large? Like you're doing it wrong, man. Oh no, there's two different circumstances, buddy. Okay. It's very different. You wear a large with a sweatshirt underneath in cold weather. The youth XL is like a tight form fitting. Oh, it's summer in Seattle and it's 70 degrees outside. I got news for you, dude. Rohim, I've, I, I wear a medium and I wear a sweatshirt underneath it just fine. Like I wear it in the summer without one, with, with like short sleeve underneath it. Like, so you, you, I'm serious. Either that or you're wearing like some crazy Sherpa like sweatshirt underneath it in Arizona, which does not make a lot of sense. So I don't think we've quite figured out what you've got going on. Um, and if you've got some physical issues, we don't know about abnormalities. That's okay. That we, there's no judgment here. I mean, there's a little, but um, your youth XL hack has been figured out. I think that's, what's really the point here. Uh, simply Seattle. It's a market. It's a market inefficiency. To be very <laughs> clear. You simply Seattle for not letting Evan hack your market. So uh, yeah. Is it, is it simple Seattle or simply? Seattle? So it is simply S I M P L Y S E A T T L E dot com the code is real hawk 10 no so for the for the folks in the chat hawk talk Brian, 10. i fucked that up <laughs> we're all over the place we got the wrong url in the in the chat oh my god i did mess it up no that's all me hold up give me a second they're never using you as a spokesman again yeah i'm i'm apparently a horrible well this is how you make sure that they don't sell out of and it's okay <laughs> <laughs> they, he just they, wants all the sweaters himself. Right. The I'm right going to be brave enough to see what simple Seattle is. Oh, God. Oh, it's going to be some. I'm on my not work computer great. Too, so this isn't great. Well, someone else is getting some bonus coverage uh, and, and uh, advertising. Um, cool. That's awesome, Evan. Uh, thank you for, for bringing it up. Uh, Hawk Talk 10 is the code. Use it. It's uh, it's that time of the year. Get yourself something. Get you know, family and friends something. And while you're at it, either by yourself or someone you love, uh, a patron membership. 
patreon.com slash hawkblogger five bucks i mean talk about a great holiday gift you can buy them a year's worth of of access to our slack channel i guarantee you if, if you like the seahawks and you like laughing and having a good time and making fun of evan there is no better way to spend your money than than that so i love the idea of everybody going and signing their grandma up for the uh, real hot talk <laughs> You know, we've had some of that and we've ha- I've gotten some very concerned notes about the language on this show. They're like, you know. Yeah, Nathan is really exhausting with the language he uses here. It's, it's a problem. It's just exhausting. It's problem. I'm very offended. It's true. It's true. Um, so a couple other things. Just let's, I mean, we talked about the Giants game a little bit. I think we all pretty much feel the same way about this game. Uh, you, you're going to ask some patron questions. Yeah. Um, so let's take a few of those. Um, I do want to get back to some of the injury situations and, and some of the news on the Seahawks side. But but go ahead, Nathan. Hit us with some uh, patron questions. All right. Um, Jeff, what is LJ call your ceiling? Uh, that's from Theron. Um, and he says you can't say Michael Bennett. Which I well, hope which is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that wasn't something that was on the table. I think I think a ceiling is kind of similar to Trey Flowers in New England. Not the Trey. Well, he's in Dent, Detroit now. Really? Like I think that's his ceiling. Meaning that's the best he can get. He's had like a one or two years, and he's kind of faded out since. Um, you don't see it, huh? I. I think they're kind of similar style players. They don't have a lot of like juice and speed, but they have they're decent like technicians and they they can kind of they play similar spots. I think they're similar size. That's his ceiling. That's what I mean, like the highest he can get. That doesn't mean I think he's gonna get there. Yeah. No, I get it. You think that's too high, obviously. No, I, I'm just surprised. And I guess I think of Trey Flowers as more of an outside player, and I think of Collier actually making his his bump um in, in productivity playing inside and, and so I, I like you guys are gonna love this i think his ceiling is quentin jefferson that's not crazy that's not crazy i mean that, that was my skepticism too like um just about more of an inside guy than an outside guy like i but i don't know a ton about flowers so yeah yeah no i, I would love it to be flowers because that guy's like i mean he was legit kind of tier one free agent um, I'm not, I know you're not saying that he's going to be that, but I, I'm kind just of fizzled since he got the money. Yeah. That's an interesting one though. I I'll have to, I'll have to watch. I can't say I know his game that well um, to, to be able to say that. I just was, an, it was an interesting name for you to pull out. Uh, do, so Jeff, where do you think he will be then? Like if that's the ceiling, do you, do you agree with the Q Jeff thing or where do you think he ends up? Uh, yeah. Q Jeff is a decent trajectory for him. They both started their careers pretty slow. Hugh Jeff really peaked in the last year of his deal. Call your starting to show signs now. Yeah, I think that's a decent. Like when I wasn't a huge sign Hugh Jeff guy back because I thought Collier could give you like a 60% of what he did last year. And I think that's kind of accurate. So I think that's a reasonable comp. Uh, all right. Uh, Brian from Theron, uh, another question from him. Uh, would you still fire Ken Norton? And did uh, Carlos Dunlap save his job? Um, a hundred percent fire Ken Norton mid season. Like, yeah. Like I, 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 for me, I, I, I'm done with him. Like, is it urgent? Like it was before? No. Is it like such a credibility issue that you cannot go forward? Like it was before? No. And, um, 
it's interesting. Like I hear, I heard Pete's presser today and his words, I always look 10 layers deep in what he's saying, which may not be wise, but he's like, they're playing the defense better. And so you almost always hear the coaches talk about it in a way where it's a player issue. Like it's very rare that they're going to say, yep, we just, been, <laughs> we've been messing it up. Like, we don't know what the hell we're doing. Uh, thank God the players are out there knowing what they're doing. So like, I think their perspective is it's always been right. And the players are just starting to get healthy and get and play the defense better. I actually think that there's some of that that is valid. Like, you know, there's been injury, there's been, but they've been all over the place with this defense. Like it has looked wildly different in terms of how they've tried to play it week in, week out. That's not just the players. And so fundamentally, even before he was hired, I never believed Ken Norton was going to out scheme anybody opposite him. I still have not seen anything that makes me think he would. And so when push comes to shove and you get two weeks to prepare for the Super Bowl and you have to come up with a scheme to stop Sean McVay, or, you know, it wouldn't be that in this case, but, you know, stop someone like Andy Reid, right? Am I ever going to feel like Ken Norton's the guy that's going to accomplish that and feel good about that? No. Um, uh, has Pete shown that he can do some of that? Sure. But I, I, I'd like Pete to have somebody that he can groom that has real head coach potential be- below him. And, and Ken Norton just isn't that guy. And Brian, you uh, sent us that uh, Jason Lock and Fora report, right? Yes. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, yeah. Lock and Fora does like a Sunday notes articles every week. And one of the things is that there's going to be a ton of defensive coordinator movement in the NFL this year because of all the new coaches coming in a lot of good. And one of the things he was kind of throwaway line in there is that Seattle's front office has started to put feelers out on defensive coaches. Mm. So that to me was really telling. Yeah. That was following the Arizona game too. Can I follow up on one thing before you move up to another question? Yeah. So, cause you know, I, you know, I love a good Quentin Jefferson conversation. So Quentin Jefferson in his second season um, had a 51.8 uh, PFF rating, a 62.2 pass rush grade and nine pressures for the whole season. LJ Collier in his second season has a 57.6 PFF grade 58.9 pass rush. So below, I think in there, but he has already has 15 pressures. Um, so he already has more pressures, you know, by 50% over what Jefferson did as a, he's getting team. a lot more opportunities though, isn't he? Than yeah. Jefferson didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think Jefferson was hurt was the other piece, but just thought that was interesting. All right. Sorry. Go on. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll round table this one from Z Ray uh, for the giants game over under Chris Carson, 11, We'll say 11 and a half carries so nobody does something dumb like pick push. 11 and a half carries. Brian, over or under? Under, I think he maybe sits this game. Wow. Jeff? Under. I think it's under too. Uh, yeah, I think it's under too. I mean, uh, yeah, even at the start of the year, they weren't giving him a ton of carries and, and Hyde was like splitting with him and stuff. So, um. All right, uh, Professor Crockett asks, what's your favorite Seahawks versus Giants moment? And do you consider it a rivalry? This NFC matchup has had great, uh, a great many moments that for whatever reason seem to have been forgotten. I personally have 
forgotten them. <laughs> I don't know if anyone has one that stands out, but I have to I go back one. to the Jeremy Shockey one. I got one. For me, it's 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 got to be the Brandon Browner pick. Um, okay. Re- pick oh, it yeah. for a return for a touchdown uh, off of Eli uh, in New York. Uh, that was 2011, I want to That team won the Super Bowl. That Giants team. Yeah, they won the Super Bowl. They lost to Seattle like week five. Yeah, that was awesome. I loved that game. Jeff, that Evan. game like Jay Feely missed like four field goals. That's the shocky one. That's yeah, the, the shocky yeah. gift. Yeah, I think it was 2005. I think it was the Super Bowl year. 2005. That's like when the Giants I- should have won that game like five times, and he just kept missing. Yeah, there was something with Sh- shocky went nuts or something. He was uh, taunting to the camera. And then they catch him turning around to see that he missed, and he goes like "wah" or something like that. It's amazing. It's like it's a it's a little reminiscent of the Sherm one too. There's not yeah, well, there's not many other ones, is there? Like, I, so I also have for whatever reason missed several of their the games. Like I was helping my cousin move one year, and just some different stuff. So like I remember that game with all the misses like 15 years ago, and then I remember them getting their ass kicked. I think early in the Pete Carroll era. Oh yeah, or or maybe that was a Mora game. Yeah, and then I don't really remember a ton of the other ones. There was one game where like Marshawn Lynch like embarrassed them. It was I think Odell Beckham's first year. Yeah, that sounds right. I think that they stomped him a couple years. Ago. And there was one where he played in New York, and like Paul Richardson had like a crazy cap- touchdown. I just remember the Richard Sherman tip to Earl Thomas for the interception. Yeah, that was the Odell in, Beckham. Uh, yeah, in New York, that was kind of recent. That was like, 20- oh, that one too. The Super Bowl year, they killed them. Was that was that the Super Bowl year? Yeah, they shut them out at oh the stadium. Oh my, twenty three to nothing. Yeah, I'm looking at all their games right now. That's yeah. the game I'm remembering. Twenty three to nothing. Yeah, you're you're remembering, or Nathan? You brought up when they they blew us up forty one to seven. Yeah, that was brutal. And then Charlie Whitehurst started that game. That was a really that was rough. Um, we there was a lot of Leon Washington in that game too. Yeah, that was right after Hasselbeck got injured. Yeah, they beat us forty-four to six in two thousand eight. Sure. Well, who didn't? Yeah, two thousand. Those years were bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Unless there's any other mo- moments. Um, I did we talk about? So Jay Brandt uh, had the question here, and I don't remember if we talked about it on the pod or in the chat. Is finishing as the five seed. Uh, and he says, as far as I can tell, this is a seeding position that will have us playing the NFC East winner better than any other seed besides the one seed. I'll just open it up. I'll say, is is the five seed the best seed or where does it rank, uh, Evan? It is not the best seed. Okay. Well, obviously, like, it's not literally the best. It's the <laughs> fifth best. But I don't think that's the point of the question, Evan. Continue, Evan. Don't let him take you. You're on the right track, dude. Keep it up. I like to win football games. Yes. I think the Seahawks should get the highest seat they can yes. for home field Wait, advantage. But if you like them to win football games, don't you want them to play an extra one so they have another win under the belt? That's the thing. Like, if you say you're the second seed, you might play the Rams in the first round. And it... <laughs> this is so. I, I, I literally can't even fathom this argument. Well, like, if you're the second seed, you're either playing. The Vikings, the Cardinals, the Rams, or the Bucks. At home. Yeah, but I guess they're five and zero at home or whatever. But does that really matter if no fans are there? 
Well, look, if they're if they're the second seed, I mean, I'm just looking at where it was. I don't know if this is still the thing. Like Seattle is currently the second seed. Arizona, I think, is currently the seventh seed, right? So if I'm right, that means in the first round of the playoffs, they'd play Arizona. Yes. Yeah. I'm not that so what? Like that doesn't scare me. Like it, it, people like used to be freaked out about Arizona. I'm not worried about facing Arizona. You're gonna have to beat good teams in the playoffs and just like whatever. If and then the next round, well, then you're playing Green Bay. Either Green Bay or LA. And do you want to play the Packers at home, or do you want to play them in Lambeau? No, but with, that, I think that's with why ten the feet of snow. But if yeah. you're the fifth seed, you almost have no scenario playing Green Bay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm. Until the NFC Championship. But then you lose the NFC Championship. Assuming that they get to the NFC Championship, they could lose before you even get there. Before That's they even like get a there. loser mentality. Like you, you, you got a, like, you got to get the best seed you can get, so you get the best chance to actually get to the Super Bowl. Like, is anyone like, hey, if they get to the NFC Championship, it'll have been a good year. Like, I, I like, yes, yes. Oh, what? what? You don't play to get to the NFC Championship. You play to get to the Super Bowl and win. Okay, it. but it'd still be a good Those year. Are Those are different statements. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like the the goal is not to see. Okay, let's ha- let's see how f- let's like, get the thing that gets us as well, far as we can. They should position to be in the fifth seed. I'm just saying, if they finish fifth seed, it's kind of advantageous. I'm with Evan on this. Yeah, this yeah. is dumb. This I I like to win football games, and yeah, and so I don't want to play the, the Packers point. and Green. If you are worried about you know, losing to the Rams or, or you're, you think your team can only win if they play the Eagles or whatever in the wild card weekend, your team's not good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. What, Period. at what point uh, would you take the fifth, fifth, fifth seed uh, over a higher seed? Like, okay. So you'll, you'll take the first seed. Obviously you take the second. Would you take the third over the fifth, the fourth? Can you tell me where the Packers are? No, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I I'm defaulting to the higher. So wait, wait, wait. You're giving you're you're saying that it's a loser mentality, and that if your team's not good enough to just beat good teams, but now you're but you're terrified of playing the Packers. I think you have a much higher. Ch- I think if you play the Packers in Green Bay, exactly, you have a zero percent chance. You have a zero percent chance of winning. Zero percent. Why do you have a zero percent chance of winning? That shit Seattle team almost won last year there. We never do. We're cursed. We are We're cursed. Uh, if we didn't that have one of the worst games to me last year. <laughs> what? That game didn't feel close to me last year. I don't know. Oh, like, well, I don't if know. they didn't have one of the stupidest game plans of all time, they easily could have won that game. Huh. I have to go back. Like, I, I have to, I swear, like, I've kind of wiped that game from my memory. It, it felt like a butt kicking, but you're probably right. Well, it was, I mean, they were gave Marshawn Lynch the ball for an entire <laughs> half instead of passing the ball. They fell down by like 20 or something, but didn't they just lose by a touchdown? I also don't yeah, they, they, and they, they did the thing where they didn't go for it on fourth down, and they had two shots to get off the field and didn't cover Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham. And- yeah, the, the, the other flaw, and I think this is where, I mean, <laughs> I love being on the same side as Evan for once, uh, but, but that he and I are totally the same. This idea of like picking the seeding based on who you're going to play. If the Seahawks don't win – their last six, like the, the rest of the games of their season, then like, even if they, if they win five, let's say like, then 
they're not in a position to really make a difference. And so I want them to get as high as a seat as possible because I think that means that they're playing at a, at a high level. And that's what matters way more to me than who they play. Uh, that's the fairest answer I've heard because for me, I didn't factor that in at all. I more factored in the path. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a very fair answer. They lose two games in their fifth seed. You feel, no, I just didn't even think about those games. I just thought where they finished. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. You're going to play probably the second game and it don't, which everyone's, clamoring for all the time i mean i think the one thing there though is that they can finish very strong and still not win their division just with the way the division is the rams dropping that last game was big yeah but they still they still have to beat the rams right yeah assuming well, maybe if, not well if the rams drop more games right then who knows yeah. but like there's still a scenario where you know seattle loses just That's one more game the rest of the way and play really lost. well yeah can I wait just on that really quick? There's there's definitely a lot of chances where the Seahawks could end up playing the Rams and the Cardinals three times in a year, like both of them in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, I personally would be totally confident that they would beat the Cardinals. We're going to find out how they look against the Rams here. The Cardinals are starting to fizzle. Yeah. Um, is there any – any of you feel like the Rams are a harder matchup for the Seahawks than anyone else in the NFC, or is, are the Packers your your number one concern? I think I would still be more nervous about the Packers and the Rams, but uh, I don't know. If, we pl- if we're playing the Packers at home, I feel fine. Whoever playing the Rams at home. Oh, Oh, I'm much more scared of the Rams at home than I am. I know it may, has no basis in reality whatsoever. No, no, I'm the same way. Okay. I, agree with you. I just, I uh, for some I... reason, Aaron Rodgers is different and when he's Lambeau. outside of Green Bay. Lambo's Lambo's different. It's it's always been different. It's been a tough place to play. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that, Evan, for sure. The Rams terrify me. All right, I think that's it for uh, Patreon questions. Cool. Uh, Evan, how are we doing on, on meals raised with the, the simply? Yeah. Seattle? So this is crazy. I just got an email from the CEO of simply Seattle. We have raised 5,000 meals tonight, 5,000 cool. meals for needy, hungry Seattle families. That is insane. So like, go get yourself some gear. Uh, the Mandalorian one is really cool. Uh, I like that, the pacifier one personally. I, I definitely bought both. But, <laughs> but but I'm excited about it. So 5,000 meals, Hawk Talk 10, simplyseattle.com. We're not making a cut of anything. Uh, it's 20 meals donated per sweatshirt purchase. Real Hawk Talk 10 gets you 10% off. I almost said the wrong code again. Hawk Talk 10. Yeah. You know what's kind of crazy? Yeah. I know. What's up? There's no one signed Earl Thomas in the end. Like I was watching that game today. That's still pretty nuts. It is crazy. There was a number 29 on Baltimore. Like that, that was weird. Like Luke think- Wilson was playing and DJ Fluker. He's 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 off the end, man. Like That's crazy. I don't know if you've seen like Nina, like his his, I think either ex-wife or in the process of becoming an ex-wife, but like she's living her best life. She seems like she's got a weight off her shoulders. Like I don't know. I, I feel for that guy. I hope he, f- he figures out whatever's going on, but he seems like he's in a bad way. So, yeah. Sorry, I got. I don't know why I was thinking about that. 
you know that that reminds me of one thing before we kind of maybe the transition a couple but like there is a lot of moves a lot of moves that we've spent time on this show on that seahawks twitter spent a lot of time on like just hammering hammering the seahawks about what they did and the choices they made letting Rock thomas go was one of them and I, personally, I was always supportive of it at that point. I was never supportive of how they did it. Like they should have traded. We always talked about that. They should have gotten something more than they did. But they proved, I mean, that proved to be, and if they'd given him that second contract or that third contract, whatever it would have been. Would have been I don't know ugly. if I agree with that. How could you not agree with that? Did you not see Tedrick Thompson and Delano Hill? play over the past couple of years well, that's the thing happens they keep like, making these bad process decisions and getting bailed out of them like they made a horrible move with safety and then they find this digs trade at a thin air defensive end they have maybe the worst possible process and find dunlop at a thin air so it, it's it's hard to compliment them or criticize them because <laughs> they keep doing uh, I, I was talking to somebody about this uh i don't know if i was just arguing with folks on twitter or what but uh, I, I think that what sets John Schneider apart as a GM, and this is actually kind of related to a, a Patreon question. Somebody asked, where, where do we rank John, uh, John as a GM? Um, but anyways, um, uh, his real, like, uh, the thing that really sets him apart to me is just his willingness to cut bait and move on from bad decisions and always, like, just... Uh, when he got hired he said something stupid like we're going to be proactive like nonstop or something like that uh and like a lot of people made fun of him uh definitely not me but some people did uh but it's just true like the dude never stops working he never stops churning you know you, you look at what he did with percy harvin and then and, you know flipping him for a seventh round pick or whatever they got back for him um you know I, look baltimore is still a good football team they were a very good football team last year after everything that they went through with earl i, I think seattle could have signed him gotten a good year out of him like Baltimore got out of him and then cut him like Baltimore did and that would suck and that'd be a uh, a problem but I, I don't necessarily think that like oh if they had signed Earl then it would have blown up and they would have never gotten digs and yada yada like I I have I don't have a ton of faith in John in a lot of things but I think that's one area where I feel really strongly that he would not have just sat back and said oh we're we're effed uh, we're just gonna sit here and eat this contract and let this guy blow the team up or whatever if that was you don't really have a choice it. about eating the contract at that point you're you've committed well, sure. money like that that's... but he's not afraid of a sunk cost right no no he he the sunk cost fallacy is not a problem for him right? would you rather have earl thomas and two first round picks or jamal adams jamal adams 100 percent. i i think you're gonna be on the wrong side of history on this one evan like i know i i think you keep bringing it up I'm not suggesting either way. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. It was a question. I know where your head is. You don't want. I'm to just. I'm man? just asking questions. You don't want to pay the man. You are not convinced he is like this. Is a 24 or four year old All Pro, and he's a blue chip player, and you're going to see it the rest of this year, and you are going to be coming on promoting a simply Seattle Jamal Adams jersey or sweatshirt. That says something like Mr. Joe on it or. <laughs> or <laughs> okay. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, yeah, talk about that. that. That was amazing. Jamal <laughs> calling out Joe in the press conference after the game. That was amazing. Poor Joe. Poor I, response was great. 
I, I, yeah, I think Joe actually handled it really well, though. Yeah, he was very good. I don't know if I would like, like you don't take those things seriously or you know, emotionally. Like, I, I, I just Joe, credit to you. I thought you handled that one well. <laughs> that was awesome. A little salty, a little salty. Uh, Brian, yeah, your point got spun out there about the moves we were talking about. Yeah, sorry, no, but it's true. Like, I, I anyway, I, I think Jamal Adams is. That's a non sequitur to me. Like, yeah. I think we're going to be happy we have him. I just want to see Jamal start commenting on Joe's golf swing on Twitter because Joe keeps tweeting videos of his golf swing. And I would love to see that counter troll. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, it would be pretty funny. Good. It would be pretty good. Uh, yeah. Jamal did get asked about his style coach again. Uh, he, he was not a big fan of, of being asked once again uh, whether his, his post game attire was picked by a style coach he's like no dude it's a hoodie i just put on my own hoodie i can i can dress myself so <laughs> you don't get to hire a style coach and then be salty about it like, <laughs> he does apparently i mean you can do whatever you want but that seems all right yeah well hey um a couple of pieces of injury news i know we're we're, we're past the hour here but um carlos dunlap there was question about his foot. There was an MRI done. Um, Pete said today doesn't look too serious. Hoping he can play this weekend. Not certain, but hopeful. So that's that's good news. Um, even if he misses this week, I don't think any of us feel like they can't win this game without Carlos Dunlap. It's probably a good time for him to take a break if they need to. Um, another piece of injury news that's interesting is a little quieter. Trey Flowers, um, you know, uh, came out of the game injured apparently. Um, don't know the extent of it. Um, I, I'm curious for this group where we th- what we think about that um, and the implications of that. Um, and then the third is Chris Carson, which we talked about before. Uh, Pete did say that he came out of the game sore. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I noticed on at least two or three carries, Carson would, after getting up off the ground, he was gimpy. He would limp a little bit. And I was like, and then hearing this from Pete, I'm like, okay, is this an injury that's going to heal this year or are they in a situation where they're like, it's not going to heal this year, this season, they're just going to have to manage it. And is this the Carson we're going to get the rest of the year is like 10 carries here and there. Like, so curious, let's start with the Carson thing, Jeff, what's your interpretation? What's your, what's your uh, uh, drama level on that one? Uh, No, it doesn't sound good. Uh, The fact that he didn't respond well to a game where he was being clearly managed and, the fact that he came back sore, I think it's, I think they're in full prevention mode. I think they're, they remember what happened last year down the stretch with their running backs. I think their goal now is to have them ready to go for the end of the season in the playoffs. I think they're going to slow play him as much as possible, especially with the stretch coming up. And this is why you have Carlos Hyde to kind of fill that void in the middle. So I think it's red flags for now and hope he's better by end of December, January. Nathan, I know how you're concerned you are about Chris Carson. Yeah, I'm really worried about it. And all, like, snark aside, you hear tomorrow, Chris Carson's out for the year. You have no reaction to that? You're like, whatever? No, I'm really sad because I have him on my fantasy team. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> so That's I would be broken up about here. it. <laughs> no i i no i wouldn't care i mean i'd be really i mean like from a really think it makes no difference for the seahawks whether no. he's the, 
it's it's so it's 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 not no difference i do think that chris carson is the best running back on on the team right so but like i don't think it makes any kind of a meaningful difference to me like it's it's fascinating it, it, like if you if i found out tomorrow that jordan simmons was out for the year my reaction would be the same basically i i just don't i don't think he adds all that much to the team he's a better runner but you know when you look at what that actually means i don't think it means a lot in terms of rushing success i i definitely don't think it means much in terms of like how the offense at the whole will play like how russ will play and and that's really the key so um what why are you laughing i'm just I'm reading the chat oh yeah the no the chat, chat loves when i talk about chris carson they love when i talk about chris carson there is uh for okay chris carson has a legion of fans <laughs> he is one of the most popular seahawks well, that makes sense like he's oh, a very it does. likable playing style. oh he's very fun he's very fun yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Justin Camarada says, uh, Camarda says, Nathan's awful takes part 10,000. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, <laughs> keep talking about running backs so you take the heat off of me. I I'd it's really just, appreciate it. It's just the 10,000th part of my same awful take. Like, I, that's the no, but we, t- I mean, I mentioned this early, like in the beginning of the year, people were like, Oh, where's Chris Carson? Why is Carlos Hyde getting as many carries as him? Like, and, and then he gets hurt, and like, you know, last week. The offense was better against the Cardinals than the offense was with him this week. I mean, I, I, I just I don't that is get the it. Worst explanation for someone as <clears throat> as analytically driven as you. You know that you can't compare going against the Cardinals to going against the Eagles. Like it's a totally different team because the Cardinals are better on defense. Like, what am I supposed to be like? No, yeah, they're not the, the same Cardinals team, that, like, that had that didn't have also, any defensive tackles whatsoever. Like Corey Peters was out there playing guys like Oh yeah, Corey Peters really sunk their pass rush. Not good, but he was their best defensive tackle. They had no defensive linemen whatsoever going against the Eagles have probably the if not the best defensive line, one of the top five for sure in the NFL. Like there's no comparison between those front sevens. They're just I do not see this evidence that suddenly that Russell goes like, okay, yeah, Chris Carson was out for the Bills game. Like, so are you trying to convince me that the difference, like Russell Wilson goes from an MVP caliber player to like one of the dumbest quarterbacks in the league without, I mean, like, what am I supposed to be buying no. into here? No, on no. I, I'm not, I'm not the, one of those people that says the reason that the Seahawks offense tanked was because Chris Carson was injured. I'm not one of those people. I think that is purely coincidental Maybe not purely, but I don't think that that was a significant part. The thing that I get stuck on with you about this is this notion that there's no difference between Chris Carson and the next guy on the roster. I think there is a mile of difference between Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. And I think it's not just as a runner. I think Chris Carson's a better receiver. I think Chris Carson's a better pass blocker. And I think all of those things together make the offense harder to to defend and more efficient. And I, I just think that it's not, it's not crazy to say playing better players at every position makes your team better. But like how much better? Like I, I'll, I, I will how happily better say are you with Mike Upati versus Jordan Simmons, like a little bit, like it matters. Sure. And that's like what I'm saying with Chris Carson and Carlos. Yeah. Hyde. Yeah. Okay. 
are if if you so if you wake up tomorrow and you potties out for the year and they say they're going to start Simmons the rest of the way, what is your reaction to that? Boy, I hope uh, Simmons doesn't get hurt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? like I mean, to me, to me, the the, the difference is is more significant than the, the that particular example. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that I guess I would compare Carlos Hyde more to the difference between Ethan Posick starting and the guys that they had starting. Uh, what is it? What's his name? Not a uh, Joey Hunt. No, uh, Kyle something. Fuller. Yeah, he was like a 20 PFF grade. Yeah, like that, did, that, that's more what I would feel like. Did, does your opinion change slightly if Carlos Hyde isn't here or if Carlos Hyde is injured? I mean, yeah, the, if they start like talking like if, about having to go see what shape Marshawn's in, then I can. No, no, I'm talking if the drop off is to like Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, not, <laughs> not, you went there, <laughs> not, not. You How know. much do you know about football, Nathan? Let's start there. I don't know anything about football. <laughs> yeah. That's going to yeah. be replayed on Twitter a little bit. I don't think that will you... we'll ever get not funny. I mean, we're all in agreement, though. Paying Chris Carson big money is a bad idea. With this the... season is perfect proof why you can't. Okay. I want to make big... sure we're all in agreement on that. What's Brian? Big What's big money? Over $7 million a year. Yeah, agreed. 100%. They would be insane to do that, and they very well might. Yeah, just the cap. You know, it's better than ever. And having the cap shrinking, they have a lot of free agents coming up, and they have guys they have to pay. You have to be very wise in terms of who you're extending and how you're spending money. They don't have a starting cornerback under contract next year. Three of Seattle's five offensive linemen are in the final years of their deal. Yeah. So, and the cap's going to shrink. So, like, if you look at over the cap now, their cap room is not that high. So, they wasted a lot of money on Bruce Irvin and Olsen this year. Like, they can't – B.J. Finney. They can't make those mistakes as much as they could this year. Yeah. And to pay a, a player when you can get a guy for half the price would be downright bad. Uh, I, we can end on this, though, I think. I'll say this. I, I do think that Chris Carson is the clearly better player between him and anyone on this team. Um and I mean, I think he looks like one of the best backs in the league, right? For me, it's just a question of what does that get you? And I, I don't, I just don't think that that brings a lot of meaningful value. I don't think that's tipping any kind of, uh, you know, needles for this offense. So let uh, me, and I, yeah. is that just for this offense or any offense? Any, well, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure the, the Giants now that they're starting Colt McCoy would uh, love to have Saquon back, right? But like, and there's only one or two like Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. Other than those guys, like, no big contract and running backs are working out. Okay, let me pose a question: Two offensive players in the last year of their deals, Chris Carson and Ethan Posick. I think it's reasonable to think that both players could get a contract in the similar ballpark, maybe four to six million something in that nature. Chris Carson's probably going to ask for more, but let, let's assume let's that both, five to seven. Okay. It's five to seven. Sure. Five to 7 million. Do you want Ethan Posick back or do you want Chris Carson back? Carson. Brian, I'll, Brian, you, wow. Holy cow. I go Posick. Oh, yeah, Posick easy. There's, I think there's easy replacements for Posick. I'm I am concerned about replacing Posick. But they're easy uh, replacements for Carson too. They, I don't they, think there are. Brian, they sh- they've shown they can't do that. 
with the Joey Hunt experiment, with the Kyle Fuller experiment, like oh no. First of all, Damian Lewis, Phil Haynes. Like, okay, we're that's... we're not moving Damian Lewis though. He's you a could. stud at right. What? You could. But you need a consistent starter at center. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you've you've got center options that could slide in and be potentially good, or at least as good as Ethan Posick. I'm not. I'm not concerned about that one. I think they've got options in house. What do you think of Rashad Penny? I think that he's. We have no idea what he is at this point. After after a knee injury, the guy was like a Big Mac machine. Hold on, you're saying that Phil Haynes is a comfortable center option and Rashad Penny isn't because of an injury? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, because I I I I I think it's a fair question. I, I think I don't believe that center. Look, Justin Britt, disaster at right tackle, disaster at left guard, above average center. I hear you. It's the it's the easiest offensive line position to protect. You don't have to be a great offensive lineman. You have to be good enough. Phil Haynes is, you know, big enough. You've got, I think there's plenty of guys you could start cross training to be center that are good. Damian Lewis just showed he could do it in a few days. And you've got other guard options. You've got Jordan Simmons. You've got Jamarco Jones. You've got like... I think they've got options there. So to me, that's just not a problem. And I'd rather not spend money when you've got guys in-house that you could step into that role. Chris Carson, to me, there are seven running backs in the NFL that have a PFF grade over 80. And I sent it out, I think, uh, maybe I just sent it out to this group. But that, to me, is the very clear group of what are elite runners in this league. After that, it drops. And, I mean, you're talking about guys like, you know, Nick Chubb and Derek Henry. And like, it's that group. Chris Carson's in that group. And so if you can get him on cheap um, for a few years, I think that your offense is better off having him and having what is a blue chip player than having Nathan Posick is nowhere close to a blue chip player. Not even close. He's not even a red chip player. So no. I'm like, move him off. Let's get someone better. The rest That's- of you are the, the opposite, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah the- I, I think that just the running back position is provides so little value to a team that it doesn't matter if you're a blue chip there or not, right? I think a, you know, whatever you think Ethan Pothic is at center is giving you more than Chris, a Chris Carson does at running back, especially when you're talking about, you know, having guys like Carlos Hyde or Mike Davis or who DJ Dallas or some other running back that you draft in the middle or later round. Like there's just so many ways to also replace Chris Carson. Even if you can't replace him from a true talent perspective, if you can, you can pretty easily replace him from a, what does he add to this offense perspective? Like what value does he add? My issue with Carson too, is the durability. He gets hurt every year. You just can't rely on him. That's what I mean. He just running backs in general don't age well because they take so many hits and usually their second contract, they start to fizzle talent wise. And this is a guy who isn't able to stay healthy in his first contract. So gut that's feeling. a guy. I would, I would gut feeling. Do. I'm not asking you what they should do. Do you think they will extend him gut feeling? Carson? Yeah. The injuries are the only thing that gives me pause. Like they sometimes get fickle about that. I feel like so. It I don't hurt know. three or four years. But doesn't that make it more likely that they're going to keep him because he won't get, he's not, no one's going to sign him to some big guaranteed deal. I think that the likelihood that they'll sign him to a three-year deal, that's really a two-year deal. 
you know, that's heavily based off of incentives and, and playing time makes this a low risk signing for them. They can sign him for what would be not a potentially dangerous contract on the bottom side. If he's, if he's injured and if he does, and he's great, then they'll get their money's worth and it'll probably still be a good deal relative to market. Okay. Um, Here's a recency question. What number would you guys sign uh, Shaquille at? Uh, you're implying like that we, we have to sign to him. Would you be comfortable giving Shaquille right now? Yeah. Seven to eight. I was going to say 10 corner mat quarter corner market is expensive. Yeah. I was going to say seven to eight. Okay. He's gone. We're talking like 19. I think the top end of the market's like 19. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know if I'm a signing of him right now. Uh, I'm interested. Like, I don't know if there's a, like, like there's a number. Pro- I mean, I guess Do you want to bring him back is, at 3 million. No, no, that's not it. I, I'm more what you're saying. Like the number that I'd be willing to sign him for is probably around where you're talking about Evan, maybe a little bit more, but it's a non-starter. He's not going to sign for that. So to me, it's like, am I willing to push to bring him back? Yeah. Not really. Hell no, I'm not. Yeah, so I said so at, at the ten million dollar range, right? So Sherm's a couple years ago now, but he got nine. Um, Desmond Trufant was this year, right? Uh, this year, or last year, he got ten million. Bradley Roby got ten and a half million. Um, uh, yeah, and then you got like Joe Hayden making eleven, but I think he was a couple years ago. So, I mean, yeah, you're talking like Bradley Roby level money if you're talking about giving Shaquille just ten or so. And let's just say you get him on, like, let's say somehow crazy, you get him on a four-year deal, eight or nine average per year, like just crazy. Like, do you guys feel like that's going to end up being a good investment? Do you, do you, bring you, in a, do you have room to bring in another corner? Uh, well, you always have room. <laughs> yeah. Well, not if you're signing Carson, Posick, and well, that's the thing. Like the Carson thing, that that you guys gave me, like that's in a vacuum. Like I would not prioritize Carson over a lot of other holes on this roster. Cornerback is clearly one of them. Um, yeah, they don't have like I think we're all assuming Dunbar won't be back. Probably. Who knows on him? Pete did give the update today that um, they think he'll be back next week. Well, I mean, back as in like resigned no i know what you mean i i i guess i'm just saying that the the story is not written on him yet for sure but probably not i i guess shaquille to me his trajectory is just above replacement level corner it's not i don't see him as a as a guy that's on the rise i don't see him as a guy that's a regular pro bowl top top third of his position in the NFL. I don't see it right now. Replacement level though is very low. I said just above replacement level, but so no, you I mean, think he's like a good number two corner. I think Trey Flowers is replacement level right now. You think that you could just sign somebody off a practice squad and they'd be as good as Trey Flowers? Well I, I maybe maybe we're using that term differently. To me that's like league average. Okay, yeah. Average and no so 
I don't know. People use these differently, but the 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 traditional like meaning of replacement level is you could sign a street free agent and replace this person, or it comes from baseball. You could sign a triple. You could sign somebody from Triple A, and they would come up and replace that that player. I see. So yeah, yeah. it wrong then. You educated me. Like with Tedrick Thompson. Yeah, it's Tedrick is a replacement level player. <laughs> yeah, I, he's a uh, Brandon Jackson, Tedrick Thompson, Tedrick's with the Browns now. That makes sense. A lot more sense. Tedrick is uh, available, right? No, he just signed with the Browns to Brian's great dismay. He just hangs around playoff teams. You can sign anywhere as long as it's not with the Seahawks. Are the Browns eight and three? Yeah. Shut up. What in the world? Yeah. They 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 like to run the football. God, how mad would the the NFL be at a Seattle Cleveland Super Bowl matchup? (laughs) I'd be ecstatic. I would take my chance. That's that's their best matchup possible. So. Can I tell you something random about Trey Flowers? Oh, yeah. Boy. So, I mean, I, I sent it out in the, the tweet today. I look back since week seven. So but some people don't realize is he'd been playing on the other side, the left side, which is not his natural side or hasn't really hasn't played that side in his career to start the season. Once Dunbar went out with the injury, or maybe it was Shaquille, whichever one, he actually um, moved to the right side. So since week seven, he ranked 17th in – the NFL um, and PFF in, in a quarterback grade, a cornerback grade. And from even a coverage grade perspective, he's right basically equivalent to Jalen Ramsey and Justin Verrett and those guys. So like, it's kind of crazy. You could say, okay, well, PFF grades are bullshit. That's fine. I, whatever. They are what they are. But I look back at every play of his of late, and my, my kind of eye test has been like, he has not been giving up the big play. He's been giving up like five to seven yard plays. Um, and yes, sometimes he's off and you wish he was, you know, closing on him. So over the last, I don't know, like since, since the San Francisco game, um, he's given up. He gave up two plays of over 10 yards. Um, sorry, three plays of over 10 yards against the Cardinals. Two of them were those missed tackles where the, the actual, like the play was not a big play, but it is poor tackling led to it being a big play. So it wasn't like he was beaten over the top. Um, he gave up one 17 yard pass to Josh Reynolds um, against the um, Rams. And then he got, the Bills game was not pretty for him. That Bills game wasn't pretty for anyone in the secondary. So he gave up like a 33-yard pass, an 18-yard pass. But like looking at like play by play by play, like the compared to where he was at the beginning of the season, almost every pass he was giving up was for a first down. Like almost every pass. Um, he went, I'm looking here, he went 10 straight plays early in the season across different games where every pass was a first down and a lot of them were like 30 yards, 40 yards. So like, I do think there's some evidence that he is, he is different than he was earlier in the year and he is playing pretty well. Um, Anyway, I thought, I thought that was interesting, Um, but that might just be me. Do you guys want to talk more about Chris Carson? Not really. No. All right. Too bad. Evan's Evan's getting sleepy. No, I I'm just tired of talking about freaking running backs too bad uh <laughs> derek shared some some stats with me on the side 
and I, I'll eat a little crow on this. Uh, Carson is actually, and this has changed too since uh, early in the year when Hyde was, they were pretty close. I think Hyde was actually outperforming Carson, but Carson's averaging, I'm just eyeballing this off a chart, so I don't know the exact numbers, but he's got something like uh, 0.18, I would say, just a little under 0.2 EPA per carry, um, which is awesome. And his uh, success rate is like, I don't know, 51-ish percent, so above 50%. Um, I, I haven't looked across the league or anything, but I'm sure you can find several quarterbacks that are, are worse than that. So Carson, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. A rush. Yeah. So that is, that's legit. Like, I mean, and what's Carlos Hyde? Hyde's way down now. He's just under, um, he's more like, I don't know, point negative 0.08 per rush, which in terms of EPA, like most r- running backs do not have a positive. So that's not like a terrible thing. He is under 40% success rate now, though, which is, it's not great even for running backs. So um, that's, that has, and, and that's something that's shifted since earlier in the year when they were much closer. Uh, I don't think that this is something that's really sustainable. I mean, it's, it's interesting and we can watch it and see. Um, that's not typically where Carson has been over his career, but he is doing it this year uh and it's really awesome that's way better than i thought he was so i i just want to take a moment to recognize (laughs) what just happened here not only did nathan give chris carson credit which is amazing and that chris carson's a runner and he gave him credit but nathan volunteered information that contradicted his priors that is that is slow clap and I'm going to hold this against you guys every time. Every time someone says, oh, you just hate the running game. or No, look, there was one time where I shared good news about a running back. So I can't be anti-running back. I love it. Yeah. I, love it. I have a, Actually, I have one last take on the running backs. Whoa. All right. Okay. Rashad Penny, once he comes back. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually <laughs> believe it. I actually believe it. I think Rashad Penny is going to have one hell of a rest of the year. Really? Why? <laughs> Before he got injured in that Steelers game, I think it was in that Steelers game is when he was the Rams game. No, was, he had a really good Vikings game and he had a very good Rams game. He ran over to the sideline and he hurt his knee. Rams. I don't remember who it was. The Rams game. I don't think it was Rams. I think it was either. the Rams game. He got hurt, but I think he had a really good game before that. Okay. Right. He was he was coming along like they were using utilizing him well. He was getting in space. He was looking explosive. Like I bet if we went back and looked at the podcasts before he got injured, we were all really positive on Rashad Penny. Yeah, that's not the point though. The guy is is less than a year from an ACL injury. What makes you think he's going to be the same player? Modern medicine guys are more than capable of coming back from torn ACLs. I don't. I don't think that's like a catastrophic injury anymore. I I think you're right. I, I think it's. I think it's optimistic to think. I think that. it's all right if he was coming back for the pre start of the preseason. Yeah. Or yeah, and I think from the start of his first game that he returns, I, it sounds like that might not be this week. Per Pete, yeah. he seems a little. Yeah. It takes injured players a long time to get back to game speed. He will be their most productive running back the rest of the year. What? At what measure? Is... What's what? Yards per carry. Oh, the worst measure. <laughs> <laughs> Stand by it. Nice. I like it. Uh, 
that's that's crazy talk but um i don't think it's that crazy it's crazy if carson's healthy if carson's out then maybe because here's the thing where i'm with you is i would rather see rashad penny get carries over carlos hyde even with my questions about totally like i want to see because i think rashad penny has more to offer than carlos hyde i just i mean part of you have to understand part of my analysis is i i I don't trust Chris Carson's health the rest of the year. I just don't. Yeah, you shouldn't. Like, you shouldn't. I, I, so if Chris Carson goes down for any sort of stretch, like Penny could easily be the most productive running back the rest of the way. Here's I don't more. think that's true, but here's where you might be right. If Carson actually stays healthy and Penny keeps to a backup role, kind of like they had him in last year where they're just like running pitch plays to him every so often. And I, I don't, this thing about shitting on Carlos Hyde has become a little silly, but I will say that Penny probably has a better skill set to run those toss plays than Hyde does. And Hyde has looked just fine on those. So yeah, it's, it's very, <laughs> it's very possible that Carson stays healthy or, you know, between Carson and Hyde, they, keep penny to a backup role and they just let him do those little tosses and he gets like 10 yards of carry on like two carries a game or whatever like yeah, they gotta stop with these stretch runs for high that is not what he does well Ooh. he scored that touchdown early in uh what against the cardinals he's actually done okay on those i love when, when like it was the power runner i love on that touchdown he had against philadelphia where every all you guys all start trolling me like ah oh, how did Hyde look on that he didn't get touched until he got to the end zone there's no like running back skill <laughs> in running well. through a wide open hole and now oh, that's a single tackle that's not that's a the extent of running running back. back skill that's what running backs do they just <laughs> run through the holes that what chris carson Christian. did was skill that is different he ran through a huge hole and then ran away and from five the guys into the end zone like no two he ran into two guys at the at the goal line two and fell more down. two more than carlos hyde did so anyway i i here's what i think i think that pete said once again all of a sudden daryl taylor is like we're gonna hear more from the doctors after saying a few weeks ago that he's definitely gonna be back whenever carlos hyde gets a run a good run that happens and then he also Rashad Penny was questionable. I, I I my bet is, and my my twin there agrees that Rashad Penny and Daryl Taylor will not play a single snap for the Seahawks this season. Oh geez, I really hope that's not true. Here's a deep cut for me. I want to see Colby Parkinson get more snaps. And I want to see the last Jacob Holster. Why? I do not like well, the more you see Jacob Hollister, he just looks like a deeply flawed player. And like last game was a game where <laughs> I just something about him just makes me think the anytime he plays, like he just doesn't look like that good of a player. I think Parkinson has upside. I think there's a lot there. That's interesting. I think so. Garofalo tweeted before the game last week that like the Seahawks organization they are really high on him. Is he just raw then? Is that why he's not playing? Or Well, he missed the whole preseason. Look what happened to Collier last year. It's... Oh, wow. I completely forgot he was injured. Yeah. With that his... foot. Yeah. He's like a six foot eight dude. He's massive. Uh, if you've seen him against like Greg Olson and Will Disley, he's a he's a like, tall he dude. Also, he gets tackled if like someone breathes air on him. So 
I believe this is just going off of memory from the draft research I was doing. He he had like one of the best tight end catch rates out of all college He's got tight ends. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see him get some opportunities in these games with the Jets. And hmm. yeah, it would be nice for them to develop some other targets and some other like we've kind of talked Maybe about it. Looks bit, hurt. Not much in the pod, but. I think Shoddy's on notice. Not not in terms of like getting canned, but he's got something to prove this this last part of the season. I don't think he's been scheming players open nearly as much as he was early. All those head coaching lists are starting to come out. His name is not on any of them. (laughs) And like early in the year, there was a lot of buzz like from Evan. Like we might lose him. He's the most valuable coach on the staff. That's I think I still believe that. Yeah, but like that league-wide has started to fizzle. Like Brian sure. Zellow, I think people are noticed that he has not adjusted well. Yeah, that's a conversation that may become more prominent in the coming weeks because I, I, I think it's fair to expect that this offense needs to start building its momentum as we near the playoffs. Sort of dictate, dictate the game. 100%, because if they – continue to do this, you know, patchwork offense of 20 something points, which is fine, but it's not going to win you playoff games. It won't. If you could pick one thing, the Seahawks averaging, let's say over 30 points a game the rest of the year, or the Seahawks allowing less than 15 points a game the rest of the year, which would you pick? Does that include playoffs? Nope just for the regular season includes the Rams and the, the 49ers game. It's gotta be the offense because the defense, just the opponents aren't that great. So it, obviously it's, it, it'd be great for them to hold them below 15 points and then be a step forward, but also the competition is going to be a lot more difficult in the playoffs. What if it's 25 points over 25? I don't like this game. I would still so take offense, defense. Yeah. Defense? Interesting. Defense so you're, 15? I think keeping a team under 15 is a lot more impressive than scoring more than 25. You're, so you're more encouraged about the defense holding Joe Flacco and Colt McCoy to 15 points or less entering the playoffs, knowing that you're going to be facing Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Like, I mean... Yeah, I think it's hard to keep any team under 15. I mean, what is the best team in the league, the best defense in the league right now? What are they allowing per game? It's the Rams, and it was like 17 or 18, I think is what it was. Okay, so, yeah. So if you're talking about, you know, averaging like a field goal less a game than the best defense in the league is averaging right now. Yeah, the, 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 the teams are bad or whatever, but you do have a game against the Rams in there too. You hold them under 15 points, then I'm pretty happy with that. Very happy with that. It is, And you can still hold Steelers. out hope that, yeah. Steelers are allowing 17.4. Okay. So Where are the Rams go. now? 19.5. They're number four. And then, you know, it, if – you can and you can always hold out hope that if the offense isn't, you know, performing or whatever, that they can turn it back on because they still have rest at the end of the day. Yeah, I still come out with the offense. I think if it, it, 
end of the day, I don't believe this defense can be a championship defense where they're, they're the reason you win. Like they can't be the best unit on the field. Uh, like I just don't see that through the playoffs. So to me, if the, if the offense does not find a rhythm and doesn't start building something where they, they seem like they can be kind of not stopped, um, then I don't have a lot of confidence in the Seahawks making much, much of a run in the playoffs. And Honestly, guys, I don't think it has to be some crazy, like, come up with some amazing new game plan. Throw the damn ball to DK. You're 6'3", 230-pound, 4'3 guy that nobody in the league can guard. Just do it. Do it 10 times minimum a game, and I think you'll be fine. I think that's what the, like, the Eagles played a damn good defensive game. And the Seahawks had enough to win. So... Yeah. Don't give the ball to David Moore on fourth down at the goal line. Yeah, don't do that stupid stuff. Don't do that stupid stuff. All right, predictions. Predictions. Let's wrap on this. Uh, Nathan, what is going to be the final score of the Seahawks versus the Giants? Um, 28-17. Evan. 17 points allowed. Yeah. That's not good, man. What? If they allow 17 points to this Giants offense, I mean, assuming those are offensive points, yeah, that's not be. that's not good. I I don't know that that's a realistic expectation. I mean, yeah, Colt McCoy, McCoy the 32nd ranked pass protecting offensive line. I mean, and whoever the hell is behind Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I. I I just don't think, you know, if you're expecting a team to like hold an, an NFL offense to 10 points or something like that, like, I don't know it, even really good defenses are struggling to do that. So Evan, I mean, look what the, the Steelers and they're really good defense. How much did they give up to Baltimore today? Right. I mean, in RG three and Trace McSorley and whatever. So yeah, I, I you can't just say that this team's going to like, you know, keep them the single digits or something. Evan, stop shaking your head. Tell us the score. <laughs> uh, 31 to 13. Okay. Jeff? I'll go 27 13. 27 13. Interesting. Um, I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with 29 to three. Wow. 29. If they have a 26 point win, I will shit my pants. I don't trust. <laughs> thankfully I don't trust you on those things, but uh, thank you for that mental image. I'm sure all of our listeners uh, appreciate it. Um, I probably think they will. <laughs> they might. Uh once more, if you haven't already, go to simplyseattle.com, uh, buy yourself a, a hoodie, and uh, use HawkTalk10 as the code um, to get yourself a, a little bit of a deal and uh, make some contributions to charity and, and to boot as you're doing it. So a uh, big win around. Also, join patreon.com slash hawkblogger or give it as a gift. Come on, folks. Buy your subscription to somebody. Get them into our Slack channel. Happy to see you there. Slack, man, the word on the street is maybe they're going to give us some of their $27.7 billion that they just got from uh, Salesforce. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. I'm sure our Microsoft friends uh, listening to this are interested in what's going on over there. 
I know my company and my friends are like, oh God, we're going to have to start using uh, something other than Slack potentially. Won't say what. But uh, anyway, um, join over at Real Hawk Talk uh, at uh, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Click subscribe, click the bell. Um, and uh, we will see you soon, folks. Um, we will see you for post game Sunday. And uh, go Hawks.